We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why... When it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 196. The World Series is over. The Astros are the champions. Scott, it's officially no longer baseball season. Are you feeling sad? A little bit sad. It's uh, it's because now I have to focus on the Jets, which actually won on Thursday. Which is, it's like the Jets win when you want them to, when you don't want them to win, and then they, when you do want them to win, they have no chance. It's uh, it's a, not a good situation when you're a Jets fan. Um, but it is actually their defense looks good and they're nice and young. So I'm focusing on that, I guess, and a little bit of fantasy football and <laughs> what's what's happening with the Yankees in the off season. There's a lot of things going on. So um, ended up being a really good World Series. It did. It ended up being, uh, people are calling it the best world or the most exciting World Series ever. I don't know. I guess. Well, there was a lot of offense. There was a lot of offense. People like the offense. offense. Yeah. And when the ball starts flying out of the park, then, you know, people are are, are amazed. And uh, it was, it was just crazy. Uh, To me, sometimes there's too much offense. It's exciting. 
but it's not good baseball. So games two and games five were the two most ridiculous games of the series where a bunch of home runs were hit. It was back and forth. It was like a heavyweight boxing match where people were just throwing haymakers. Just when you think someone hits a three-run homer and the game is going to be iced, and then Altuve comes up and hits the three-run home run to tie the game. A bunch of stuff like that happened. Do you like games like that, or would you rather sort of the close three-to-two ball games that aren't just nutty? Yeah, I don't know. To me, there was too much. There were just so many home runs that, you know, at the drop of a hat, it's not like you, there was not a lot of uh, anticipation building. It was just there were home runs. So, you know, there were there were definitely some extra base hits as well. But I don't know. The anticipation to me was was lacking because when you hit the ball to the ballpark, it's exciting and fun. And if it was my team, I'd probably like that. It'd be a lot of fun. Um, but I don't know. I like suspense building a little bit. It, 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 I can't. I'm not going to say it wasn't fun. It was. It was a lot of fun to watch. There's no doubt about it. Game five was insane, and but I, I guess I, I like the more traditional, you know, way of, of of a pitcher actually coming in and doing well. There's just so many pitching changes now too, and the uh, and in this particular one, the bullpens were just complete dog shit. So the offense was just uh, was was lighting it up. It, I, it was just how it played out. The Astros somehow made it through uh, an entire playoffs and won a World Series with no bullpen. I didn't think that was possible. I know Brian Kenny certainly didn't think that was possible so much for the bullpenning theory. But the Astros made it through on just a couple starting pitchers, and they they piece-worked it together. And like you were saying, the, so many home runs were hit. I can't remember a time when so many balls that I thought were off the end of the bat, and it's like, okay, that's maybe a 300-foot fly ball. And it's five rows deep. Jock, uh, what was it? Jock Peterson hit that home run in game yeah. six. That I was like, that's a pop-up behind third base, and the ball was a home run. Dodger Stadium isn't known as a home run hitter's park either. It's just crazy. Yeah, and there were, some, there were a couple that were just super, I think that maybe it was Altuve who hit the ball like a mile in the air, and it was a, it was a moonshot, and there's no chance it goes out, and it goes out over the left field fence in, in uh, Tropicana. It was just a... It's just a Minute Maid, <laughs> whichever one of those orange juice stadiums. <laughs> Is it even but, still called Minute Maid Stadium? I don't even know. <laughs> I thought it. I thought it was one of the orange juice ones. Right. I keep, I keep calling it Tropicana, though. <laughs> the uh, but yeah, I don't know. You play to the ballpark, I guess. The, that ballpark's strange. It's just so weird with the way it's it's set up. Um, having the the very very short in left field. And we we compared it to uh, Fenway the other day. Or last time we were talking, it is kind of similar. It's just with the high fence, it's obviously not as high the wall, um, and then that no man's land in center field. I'm just glad they took out the the the, uh, the hill. Oh, I because, disagree. I like the hill. Oh uh, man, that's it's just like that's that that is just uh, an ACL waiting to happen yeah. every single play. It was utterly ridiculous. It was probably the most stupid feature in Major League Baseball, but that's exactly why I liked it because it was that dumb. It was kind of like having the monuments in the field of play. <laughs> Well, every time you saw a ball hit up there and you just watched a, a center fielder go back on the ball and face plant onto the, onto the hill, it just, it just made you smile. Yeah. No, but it was a fun World Series. It was, uh, I think it, Game 7 was a little anticlimactic. It felt like it was over when the uh, Astros scored those, those five runs. It just felt like they put a dagger in them and the, the crowd was completely out of it. And, I, you don't know, after you saw those two wild games... I just didn't see another one, especially in a game seven when every single person's available to pitch. It's like you can almost stop in a, a rally pretty pretty much. You can stop it from getting too far out of itself. Um, but the Astros did that so fast. It was, uh, it was pretty impressive. They absolutely were all over Darvish, who was terrible in both of his starts. Probably lost a ton of money in free agency because you know, that's the last thing people are going to remember. 
Interesting though, uh, A Rod and a couple other people were were saying that he was probably or it looked like he was tipping his pitches, and that's why the Astros hitters were never fooled. A lot of long at bats against Darvish, and it reminded me of 2001 Andy Pettit, who was apparently tipping his pitches, and that's why the Diamondbacks crushed him in two games in the 01 World Series. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not really saying that anybody's going to lose money at this point because when you see that the uh, David Price is one of the highest paid pitchers because of his regular season performance, you're going to see Darvish come back and and get a ridiculous amount of money. I feel like it's not even as much of a concern, or even it's an afterthought for some of these teams. So yeah, I thought it looked bad. I'm like that's not what I want on my team. But I'm telling you, he's I'm gonna the, he's gonna make a ton of money still. If I'm a fan of the team that ends up signing you, Darvish, this winter, I'm gonna be kind of annoyed because the last time I saw him, he was getting his brains beaten in in the World Series. It's not right. a good memory. It's not a good look. You got to go over the body of work, and I, I know he just came back. That's, from, you're asking fans to be way too logical. That's no, that's, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying. That. I'm not saying on the fan side. I'm just saying what the owners are gonna do. They're gonna give him a ton of money. And he's going to be, especially now that Tanaka is not on the uh, on the market and Johnny Cueto not on the market. I mean, you Darvish is the guy. Yeah, him and Arietta are the two biggest free agent pitchers out there. And I would, I'd be nervous to sign both of those guys because they're oh, going to yeah. get a ton of money. Right. Yeah, no doubt about it. Which is, a, which is why, and we're going to get into the whole Tanaka stuff. That's going to be the main topic. But that that's a reason why you and I both thought Tanaka was going to opt out because when you're comparing him to the other free agents he might be the one who would get the most money. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting things surrounding the Tanaka not opting out of his contract, especially when you look like that. When you look at what just happened or what's happening in the free agent market for this year for pitching, knowing what people are spending their money on next year, and then uh, Johnny Cueto also stays with his team. I don't know. It seems like uh, I I think the, the gig is up for these long contracts with a ridiculous amount of money and I just have a feeling that maybe these agents were putting out their feelers and they're looking at three to four year contracts with uh, with maybe a little bit of a bump in what he's getting currently, but not much. It almost doesn't seem like it was worth it. I felt like we were circling that on our last episode too, talking about the the different contracts that he could be he could be getting if you compare him to other guys. They're just not handing out these giant long contracts to pitchers anymore. Right. Yo, obviously, if Tanaka and his agents thought that they could do better than three years and sixty seven million, he would have opted out. Right. And, you know, he's still if he can put up uh, three, three really good seasons as well. I mean, he's still in line for another, you know, decent contract. Sure. And he's already signed. He's going to have earned one hundred and fifty something million dollars. So it's not like he's going to be going to the going to f- for food stamps. I mean, the dude is filthy rich. So at that, he probably just chose comfort over. Well, over there's a lot of guys agency. that have to look at uh, what was his name? Um, the guy, he's on. Uh, Colorado or the Diamondbacks, he was the shortstop for the Nationals. Um, or no, he's on the Rangers now. He he got a massive, I can't think of his name. He got a, a, he's a, a, a massive, he was a shortstop. Yeah, he was a terrible shortstop. They moved him to the outfield. Um, oh, I can't think of his name. He was, uh, he got a, a really big contract offer from the Nationals and turned it down. Yes. And then yeah, went, yeah, yeah. went, in, went into free up, agency yeah. and and couldn't get anybody to bite on anything. And then he signed a one-year deal. I think it was with Colorado or Arizona and then ended up with, uh, with the, the Rangers. That's on the tip of my tongue. But um, when you see that and you see that these guys are not offering these, these long contracts with the, a boat ton of money anymore, you're, you're almost hesitant to do it when you see three years guaranteed $67 million. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money to leave on the table, especially if they are, are, are doing uh, the CSI 
uh, with another doctor's squad of, of, you know, that are going even more intricate and, and looking at every little possible thing, um, they're going to find something. CSI Bronx, as as Cashman called it. Right. Uh, any any other thoughts on the World Series before we move on to the Tanaka topic? George Springer, the pride of Connecticut. Susan Waldman must have been happy. I mean, he was on fire. He had, what, a first bat, the bad game, uh, I think, in game one, and then he was just on a, yeah. a freaking rage after that and i he think was, he had about five home runs yeah it was like tying lou garrick and i think reggie for for most homers yeah. or something like that it was crazy he was on fire historic he was absolutely historic world series yeah he was on fire and um yeah susan waldman pride of connecticut it's she, one must of the, be, she must be very proud i'm sure you saw the si cover from a few years ago with springer on the front it was like your 2017 world series champs i know yeah. that's just dumb luck but did did shit like that that just makes you think yeah, it's interesting. Ian Desmond, by the way, is the guy I was thinking yeah. of. Just makes you think that uh, maybe this is all just a simulation. Oh, we're just rigged as like the Truman Show. We're <laughs> yeah. under a big bubble. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's a pretty it's a pretty damn good Sports Illustrated cover when you look at it. The the guy who wrote that's definitely uh, getting some drinks bought because that's a that that's going to be there forever. That's a, that's a, that's that's something good he could chalk up for the rest of his life. Called that one three years ago. Well, now that the the baseball playoffs and the World Series is over, I'm sure everyone is tired from not sleeping for a month. I know we are. And also you you see that um, the NFL has got military month going on right now. And we know that sleep is very important. Consider somebody you know who is a military veteran. Imagine how much a good night's sleep means to them. This month, Sleep Number is honoring our nation's heroes with savings reserved just for them. The sleep number bed lets you choose your ideal comfort and support on each side. It's the perfect bed for couples. Their newest beds are so smart, they actually sense your every move and automatically adjust so you stay sleeping comfortably throughout the night. They even have an adjustment for snoring. Uh, do you snore, Scott? No, I'm not a snorer. I can't stand people who snore either. <laughs> uh, well, they, you should recommend a sleep number to them because apparently mm-hmm. it cures snoring. Um, Good, because snoring is a selfish, selfish move. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see some some studies on that. The sleep number bed costs about the same as a traditional mattress, lasts twice as long, and 91% of owners recommend it. Come in for exclusive savings for, for military and veterans. Right now, it's the semi-annual sale where you'll find clearance on savings of $600 on a sleep number P6 mattress with Sleep IQ technology that will cure your snoring, like we said. You'll only find this deal, Sleep Numbers, at the any of their 550 locations nationwide. If you go into one of those stores, tell them Bronx Pinstripes sent you. So the big news, obviously, was Tanaka not opting out. Were you surprised? A little bit, but then a little bit of me was like, okay, that makes a hell of a lot of sense. <laughs> the, the fact that there was that much money left on the table. I, I think uh, during our last show, I was like flipping the switch. Like, I don't think he's actually going to opt out. I think in my gut... I was, uh, it was telling me that he was not going to opt out. Well, what would have had to happen for him to have opt out, opted out this season? Do you um, think if he had a season, um, take his, his first three seasons with the Yankees and average them out, whatever his averages are, and he had that regular season this year, would he have opted out? You know, I, 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 I'm, I'm leaning to no, because I think with the way that he ended the season, I mean, he proved that he could pitch, and he proved that he could pitch in big games. Like there was really nothing questionable anymore. I think he had corrected all of those things. It, it it really you chalk it up like something weird was happening, like bad mechanics, bad bad something was going on. What I think really made him 
not opt out was the market. That's that's ultimately what I think was the reason the the ultimate reason why he marked he uh, he he did not opt out and the fact that he did have that elbow injury. While I still don't think it's an issue, but if I'm a new team going at him, then you know then I'm going to look everything up and down, especially if you're putting that much money into it. You know, and, and at that point, there there could have been concerns of uh, potentially passing a physical or him mm-hmm. going and not getting as much money because of that and using and having that other team use it as leverage. And then you have no leverage when you're sitting there without a contract and you opt out. So you have you have no home at that point. Whereas 67 million guaranteed, you know, if you're looking at the yearly, um, the, the amount he's getting on a yearly basis, he may not have been able to get that. He may be able to get more years, but I'm not sure he was able to get that uh, that amount on a, on a per year basis. So it's twenty two million a year, and then he makes twenty three million in twenty twenty. I disagree with you. I think that he would have at least gotten that deal on the open market. But I think one big factor you said it is the elbow history. While he may be healthy now, and he's pitching like he's healthy now, that's what he pitched like in October. That's still something he was going to have to prove to another team in an MRI and a bunch of physicals that maybe was going to hold up deals, and he just didn't want to have to go through that this off season. I think. I think that was as big a reason why he didn't opt out as any. I think it's definitely definitely in there. I mean, if you if you ignore it for contract reasons and you're talking about what teams are going to be looking at when they're trying to sign a, a guy for a ridiculous amount of money, I mean, it would be it would be ignorant to not look at that because it's it's a glaring it's a glaring part of this deal. I just don't think at this point, even if everything was good, you know, like you said, you think he could get that on the on the open market. Well, maybe he could, maybe he could, but that was a big question mark. Honestly, like even if he's totally healthy, that's a lot of money still. That's a lot of money to go out there and, and to get. If you were to get that uh, 22 to 23 million guaranteed on uh, four or five years, like everybody's saying that's a good deal. That's a good deal probably. But now he's guaranteed. He knows damn well he has it for the next three years. Probably the safe bet. You know, I, I don't know. I just, I, I think when you're looking at what the market is and, and the way that owners are now paying um, pitchers and they're not giving them long-term contracts, you got to start going back down to the amount you're getting per year and what's guaranteed. And I don't know. I, I feel like it, it was uh, it was comparable to what he'd be getting. And if you want to take the the Yankees homer boy uh, approach to this, you can just say that Tanaka just loves the Bronx and he loves the Yankees and he wants to come back and win a World Series. The quote was, I'm excited to continue to be a part of this team and I'm committed to our goal of bringing a World Series championship back to the Steinbrenner family, the Yankees organization and the great fans of New York. So Tanaka just loves being a Yankee and that's why he didn't want to opt out. Well, there's also other considerations too. I mean, if you think about the history of the Yankees and their connections with Japan and Japanese players, it's pretty long. I mean, they have a deep connection with with signing players. Um, there are a lot of New York Yankees fans in Japan. I guarantee there are some. I, I mean, I don't know what his what he's doing marketing wise in Japan, but the fact that he plays for the New York Yankees and goes home like that's a big deal. And I guarantee that is part of the considerations as well. Like he's got a lot more marketing opportunities as well. And yeah, I mean, disrupting your family, bring, you know, making a move, that's all in, into the consideration. So if you don't know damn well that you can get, you know, significantly more money and significantly more years, then what's the point of disrupting your life? And you're on a good team right now that can win. I mean, ultimately you want to win as a competitor and you're trying to get as much money as you can to be in a good situation. It just when you start looking at the grand scheme of things, I feel like everything was really lining up for him. Um, just staying put just makes sense. It's just very rare that a player doesn't use an opt out clause. That's right. the whole reason because the the opt out clauses are to benefit the player to get the player more money. So it, barring 
injury in the the most recent season, which didn't happen for Tanaka, it's just very rare. It's it's going to be interesting to see how that opt out clause is used with uh, with contracts moving forward because you're seeing some of the very long contracts, right? Like the the Stanton contract and um, some of these other ones where the opt out clauses are essential. Like the, the having the player um, having the player you know have the control of what's going to happen for his monetary future is extremely important to these agents and to the players. So it's interesting to see what they're because there's still a lot of backloaded money in these contracts, mm-hmm. and well, that's it'll be very interesting Tanaka. to see. The, the, it wasn't a backloaded situation with Tanaka. no, it wasn't a backloaded situation. But I'm saying there's still a lot of money at the end of it. There's still a lot of money. I mean, that's a, it's a it's a significant amount of money per year. Yes, uh, it, it's also interesting because with some of these opt out contracts the team is probably hoping that the player opts out and gets them off the hook i'm thinking of the david price contract i would bet you the red sox are getting on their knees and begging him to opt out and maybe price will do it because he doesn't like boston i don't know but he's probably not going to walk away from 30 million bucks a year right and i hope he doesn't (laughs) i really (laughs) Um, hope he doesn't but do you remember when we talked to brian hoke and wally matthews this past summer we did those interviews at different points in the season, I want to say Hoke was in June, Wally was was maybe August, um, sometime in August. So yeah, it was because I remember it was right around the McGregor Mayweather right. fight. Yep. Um, and they both said that they get the sense the Yankees organization hopes Tanaka opts out. That was at the point though when Tanaka wasn't having a great season and he didn't pitch lights out in the playoffs yet. So a lot has happened since then. But do you think the Yankees are happy about this decision? Well, yeah, I think a lot has changed also with the with the expectations for the team now. I mean, the Yankees are looking around at what they could they, what they could possibly do uh, to add a pitcher, and you're seeing guys like you, Darvish, who did just come off of an injury as well, um, uh, Arietta, who had a, a down season, and then you know the it goes down from there. But you're looking at a spot that has to be filled on a team that's winning right now and ready to win now they're ahead of they're ahead of expectations so i feel like the 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 tone had to have changed in the front office be like okay well at 22 to 23 maybe it's not a terrible deal and if he because he did correct himself you know maybe that's the guy maybe there was just a a, a bad time where he was just in a really bad rut um because if they have second half tanaka for those three years they're very happy and they're 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 ecstatic about this because what it does is it, it gives you a a a solid um, consistent base for that rotation. And right now that's essential because that's the weakest part of the team. There's no question it's a good thing going forward. Going into the 2018 season, it's good that the Yankees have Tanaka on the roster because then there's less question marks in the rotation, like you just said. But uh, do you think had he opted out, the Yankees would have re-signed him? Do you think they would have made an attempt to re-sign him? Yeah, I do. I, I think there would have been... I think there would have been some negotiations about that. Like I, I think uh, last time I was talking about this, that maybe they would they would add uh, you know a year or so um, and, and stick to similar money. I, I thought if that maybe if he did opt out, there would have been conversations before he d- had done that to see what their you know what their situation was like to see if they would come in and if that was if they if they had interest everywhere else and they they knew kind of what the pool was going to be um, that the Yankees would definitely dive in. I don't think they would have just let him walk. They had to add. They had to finish that spot, especially the way the team is right now. They were almost, they were almost going to be stuck in a position where if he had opted out, they were going to have to go back and, and at least talk to him and see where they could go. I don't know. Cashman's operating on a level where he, no one's going to mess with Cashman right now. Whatever he has a vision for, he's sticking to that plan. He let Joe Girardi go, who's the winningest manager of, over the last decade. That wasn't a popular decision. 
and no, he but, and he made that decision. So I think that I don't know. Maybe he would have signed resigned Tanaka, but I'm going by reports throughout the season. Brian Hoke said it to us. Wally Matthews said it to us. They get the sense that the Yankees organization would have moved on from Tanaka and sort of wiped, uh, wa- uh, washed their hands of that whole sort of messy situation, potential messy situation with him. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, I don't know. Cashman's Cashman's keeping things close to the vest. This guy is, uh, is, is it's awesome. I love I love and that maybe, he's doing it. Maybe he, he would us- have changed his mind, right? Because. Well, I think the expectations. I think he is, well, and I think that's true. I think he's flexible. I, I don't think he's the guy that he doesn't have a binder. <laughs> Let's Cashman does not have a binder in the sense that he says, I'm going to go do this in the beginning of the year. And then he goes and does that, uh, you know, page by page, word for word. He can adjust. He can make moves. GMs have to be a lot more flexible. So when you're looking at the current situation, the landscape of the New York Yankees in August and September, and now you're looking at what they did and how they got to the ALCS, and you're like, okay, the players are there. The personnel is ready to roll. Like These guys are good. What do we need now that go over the top? Obviously, he said, we need a new manager. We need a guy that's going to light a bigger fire, that's going to do things a little bit differently to get the most out of these guys. But when you're looking at the pitching rotation and you look at what else is available, you know, maybe Cashman has some other things with trades because there is a ton of minor league depth still that the Yankees can trade off for starting pitching um, if they chose to. But you're looking at the free agent market and you're like, Tanaka is probably the best bet right now. So, you know, him signing or staying on this contract for three more years, not the worst thing. We can win next year. We can win the year after. Having him is a good thing. Totally. It's not a bad thing for the Yankees because they they signed him to that contract initially. So they were when they signed him on day one, they were hoping he finished that that five years and that he didn't opt out probably because they thought if if you're opting out at 29 years old, it probably means he's going to look for another five year deal. And then we're going to be on the hook for that. It's just it's just so it's I find it very fascinating this whole thing because this we've been talking about this since March. This was a storyline since March. At first, it was Tanaka's definitely going to opt out because players opt out. And then he was having a bad season, and we were saying, whoa, maybe the, the opt-out clause is weighing on his mind. And then do you remember the back-and-forth reports, the New York Post, the Daily News, were talking about how Tanaka, um, that the Yankees would not sign Tanaka should he opt out, and then they had to squash all that stuff? Yeah, there was it was a, there have been a, a bunch it's of a weird, saga. A weird, weird leaks and and that have contributed into this little saga. You're right. It right. Is. It's been a, it's been a roller coaster. But here we are, 67 million for the next three seasons, and it helps the Yankees in those three seasons because when you're looking at Tanaka, Severino, Sonny Gray, Jordan Montgomery as a basis for a rotation, it's not the best Pretty in good. baseball, but Pretty it's good. top five. It's at least top five going into next year. Well, yeah, and I mean, if Montgomery can take another step forward too, I mean, that's that's a hell of a that's a hell of a rotation. You add that fifth starter, you know, whoever it may be, if it is CC to come back or you're you're looking somewhere else. Um, it, look, the bottom line is it, it gives continu- continuity to an area that that Yankees don't have a lot of depth. You know, you look at every position, you know, whether you're looking at the outfield, the infield, the the uh, um, the the offense. You're bullpen. looking at the bullpen. There's all depth everywhere. I mean, you even go to the minor leagues and there's depth. I'd say catcher is probably the one area that they're ironically thin in because they've always been uh, deep in catching. Um, but, you know, as far as uh, it, depending on what happens with Romine and all that, the there, there's, there's areas of this team um, that are very strong. And the rotation was the glaring issue. And the second half, it seemed to correct itself because guys started pitching better. Mm-hmm. And uh, if the Yankees had to go fill two of those rotation spots, that would have been a big problem, especially since they're they're still planning on getting under that luxury tax. 
No doubt. Well, and, and that wouldn't have been as much of a concern because there's not very many guys out there that you can go out and sign for big money that will be effective. I mean, you're looking at you, Darvish. We'll have our answer, right? Won't we have our answer basically on what uh, what Tanaka would make on the open market when you, Darvish, signs a deal? I mean, that's pretty close to what the contract would be. Yeah. That, well, uh, Darvish is two years older and had to, actually had Tommy John surgery. Maybe that makes a team more comfortable signing him. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. That's what a wild world that is. But yeah, it could be. The uh, But I think we'll have a, a pretty close to where the market is, at least a gauge on, on to what this is. Now that, especially now that Tanaka is not there and Johnny Cueto is not there. So you're looking at a two-man market, basically, for top flight starting pitchers. And if these guys are going to get the most money. I mean, now with Tanaka out, you Darvish is like, okay, thank you. Thank you, <laughs> Tanaka, because now I'm going to get more money. The uh, did you see the MLB trade rumors free agency predictions? They predicted a five year, hundred million dollar contract for Tanaka. Okay, so that's that's pretty much in line. That's that's exactly what we're saying. Like you're taking a little less on the yearly, but you're getting a couple more years. So I think that's uh, that's pretty accurate to what we were talking about last week. Mm-hmm. So to uh, me, I'm, I want the more I want more average. I want the money on the front so that I can um, one have the money, uh, have more money. F- faster so that these guys can start investing it or whatever they do turning it into more money and then and then have the ability to to go back out uh, in three years to get another deal i don't know it just to me that it makes more sense money wise too yeah, some guys would rather have the security of another year locked up at 20 million bucks and then tanaka yeah. would have said okay i'm 29 years old a five-year contract that's my last big deal right he it, it, he's gonna pitch through 2020 and he's gonna have 150 million bucks in the bank and that's all great but he's not gonna sign another big deal it's gonna be probably a one or two year smaller contract at that point because he It'll will be, be more 30, than a one or a two year he'll be 33 years old though at that point and who knows what the market and who we don't know what the what stuff's gonna look like in 2020 we don't know what that's stuff's true. gonna look like next week right yeah there's no doubt there's so the man the man wants to win i think is part of it which I love. Some people were telling me like that, that's not a consideration for players. That's bullshit. It's always a consideration of players. These guys are professional athletes. Being in a situation where you're not winning is not fun. It's not a, an enjoyable time. Like you could see what was going on in this clubhouse. That has to be, uh, you know, a legit consideration when you're talking about who's signing and what teams. Guys want to be around a, a team that's a lot of fun. You spend so much freaking time with these people. And uh, around this, uh, around that situation, if you don't have a good situation, then it could be a long ass summer and a long ass five years of contract. If you're going to sign in, you know, hot ass Texas when the team sucks. I mean, that's 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 a long that's a long contract. I didn't see really any negative reactions about Tanaka opting into his contract. Every well, that's because of what happened at the end of the year. Exactly. Yeah, it's so funny what three October starts will do to a, to perception. Whether yeah, it's oh yeah. reality, whether it's perception or reality, uh, we just erased the memory of of Tanaka giving up fifty five thousand home runs on Derek Jeter Day because he pitched in October, and I'm I'm lump me in with those people because I agree. I rather have a guy who shows up and nuts up in October than will pitch in May. You need it in both times because maybe if Tanaka didn't stink for the first four months of the season, the Yankees would have won some more games, maybe have a home field advantage. You never know what happens. But the fact of the matter is he pitched well in three starts in October. That's why Yankee fans are happy he's staying. I'm interested to see how his uh, offseason regimen either stays the same or is altered a bit because the way we what, saw think he's going to get fat or something now? No, 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 no. No, I don't think he's... He's not going to pull like an Adeki Arabu. The, uh, but what I, what I, well, well, what I saw... Well, let's hope not. Well, that's true. Oh, man, I didn't even go in there. I forgot about that. <laughs> just took this to a bad place. Talking about the fat toad comment. 
But the uh, the the fact that Tanaka was so good in spring training, and then almost burned out is what it felt like. And there were all these reports that he had a dead arm. There was a, he had a tired arm, and that does happen to some guys after they uh, that you know after spring training. You saw it a ton this past year with the WBC, um, not Tanaka obviously, but. It'll be interesting to see how he goes because he's going to want to start off the season a lot better than last year. And, you know, maybe he throws a little bit less in spring training or, you know, alters the way he works out in the offseason. There, there may be some kind of a tweak that he did things differently last year where he maybe went a little too hard too fast and his, his body wasn't ready for it and it caught up to him. That could absolutely be because it was uncharacteristic to see the way he did, uh, the way he pitched in spring training. And we're talking about just the way he looked, not talking about the results. The results were good, but the way he looked, the movement on the ball, everything looked really good. And then you get into the beginning of the season and he's dog shit. You know, maybe he did get tired. Maybe something something happened in the way he prepared for the season. And it was very weird because his last start in spring training, I think he threw five shutout innings or something like that. And then he goes to the first regular season start and gets crushed by Tampa on opening day. So what changed in those five days? Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. That's that's the thing. They, whatever it is, he's got to fix that. But mm-hmm. he was lights out. You know, he, he looked like Tanaka ready to go when we were getting ready for the season. We're like, okay, we are loaded. <laughs> not only, not even talking about Greg Bird, but we have Tanaka who's ready to roll. Best pitcher in spring training right now. <laughs> and then he just comes out and is terrible. Best pitcher in spring training. Best Here's pitcher thing, in spring though. training. We had the best pitcher in spring training. We had the MVP of spring training. Yep. And both of them were terrible. Yep. So they need to have bad preseasons. Well, so do you know why that bad is? Bad spring trainings. Do you know why that is? Because you can't predict baseball. That's true. You cannot predict baseball. And that's why you shouldn't predict baseball. I don't predict baseball. I you just do. Give, you I try. just give my opinions, and sometimes they're right, and a lot of times they're wrong. Well, and when an opinion is tied to a prediction, it's bad news. Uh, last, when Tanaka did not have a good April, May, June, we were pretty hard on him. A lot of fans were pretty hard on him too, but I think with his October success, he'll then get a second. He'll get a little bit more rope this time if he struggles to start the season. Yeah, but at the same time, you're looking at like, okay, here we go again. Like, why sure. is this happening? Why why are we coming out of the gate not you know not at our uh, with with Tanaka the way he's supposed to pitch? That's that. Then you, we see this again. Like to me, that's a little bit more concerning because something's going on with how he's starting the season, and it's it's just it's not supposed to happen that way. This is. Um, this is a guy you're supposed to get pretty consistent numbers from all year long. Exactly. You're paying him for consistency. Well, and the way he throws even, just the way he throws, like that's a guy that's supposed to get real, the way he throws and the way he, his track record is, he's been pretty damn consistent his entire career. Then you throw out that the beginning of, uh, of 2017, uh, you look at the rest of his, you know, the rest of his playing time. It's all pretty consistent. If Tanaka, it was just a weird, I'm, I'm chalking it up to a weird time. If Tanaka was Tanaka for the entire season, what do you figure? The Yankees would have won five, six, seven more games last year? Yeah, there's probably, yeah. I, I'd say that, uh, yeah, about five or six games, I'd say. Is, Here's is the point I'm close. trying to get at. Next season in 2018, the Yankees should be competing with the Astros, with the Indians for the best record in the American League. Don't you agree? Yeah. Yeah. And don't we, we, we saw this October how important home field advantage is for the Yankees. It is so. It's so massively can't important. be giving away games at the beginning of the season if you want to win a hundred games next year to get home field advantage. That should be the goal for this team. The regular season goal should be win the American League best record so we can have home field advantage in the playoffs. We're talking about this because of how far this team went. We didn't think we'd be here in this offseason talking about a team competing for that. The Yankees competing for that next year. But the reality is, we think the Yankees could win the World Series next year. So that's what that should be the expectations. 
Yeah, there's, I mean, you look at 2018 now, it's a totally different year expectation-wise because of what this team did this year. There's no doubt about it. A lot of pressure on a manager whoever comes in right now. I mean, it's a loaded, it's a loaded, it's a, it's a great roster to be a part of, great situation to be a part of, but you better have the stones ready to go for it as well. Cashman better be picking this guy that has the stones ready to go because um, failure is no longer an option. There's no more rebuild. That, that word is gone. Like you're in, you're, we're in. This team is good, ready to go, and ready to win now. Yeah, rebuild was um, it was August 2016 through <laughs> through it was like I want to say through like May. When did they sweep the Cubs? That was like early May, right? That's when we were sort of like, okay, we're we're done rebuilding at this point. They just swept the World Champs, 18 inning ball game. The Yankees pull that one out of their ass, and then they go on from there. That so the rebuild lasted roughly that long. And I want to clear something up because it drives me insane when people when, when people talk about this on Twitter and on Instagram. The, we have a, a T-shirt that's that's uh, rebuild the empire, and everybody's like, "Oh, it doesn't have to be rebuilt. It's rebuilt. The empire is rebuilt." No, okay, people, look, empires are are, are when a team is at the top of the 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 standings, the top of the level for a, a, an extended period of time. It's multiple championships. The ninety six to two thousand, you're looking at that. That's an empire. That's that's multiple championships. They are still rebuilding an empire. They have built the team that's ready to go, but this empire is not even, they're, they're still putting in bricks ready to go. This thing has a long way to go because they should be winning a lot. This is a team that can win for multiple years in the future. You look over at the Astros, they're thinking the exact same damn thing. I mean, they've already said, not one, not two, not three. Like these guys are ready to go as well. So then you start thinking about long-term, what this team can do. And, uh, you know, it's only special things because they're freaking loaded. And the Indians are thinking the same thing as well. They just want to win one because they haven't won one in forever. But there's a, there's a lot of good young teams in the American League. And all, you have to throw the Red Sox in there too. The Red Sox did not achieve what they set out to achieve this year. So you have to put the Red Sox with the Yankees, Indians, Astros, and let's see who else takes the next step next year. Because there will be a team that comes out and, and plays above and beyond what they were expected to. Yeah, I mean, the Minnesota Twins took a huge step forward. <laughs> and I know we all laugh because I just said the Minnesota Twins talking about top flight teams, but they do have a lot of young players who um, who who played well over their expectations this year. So that's something that uh, to look at in the in the central. Um, and then the White Sox, who got how many freaking young stud peep kids that are that are coming up through the ranks? I mean, maybe it's not next year, but in a couple of years, they're they're going to be a team if those guys pan out. That's going to be uh, that's definitely going to be something to, to look at because they have a bunch of studs in that. Yeah, the White Sox now. are are uh, I think a few years away, but they're trying to do what the Yankees are currently a couple years ahead of them, and that's yeah. I think they're well, they're they're probably closer to what the Astros were doing, right? Because they actually did have a full teardown. Um, and yes. Whereas the Yankees pivoted, <laughs> can't even call it a teardown. They're just like, eh, eh, we're just going to throw all these. We're going to make some trades and get really awesome again, really fast. So with Whereas the one rotation else. spot that is a question mark right now going into next year, we think that the Yankees will re-sign CC. It makes sense for both sides. CC has expressed his interest. And then I also saw he was on his podcast with Ruko this week talking about whatever that he's he's okay with whatever the decision is if the Yankees want to re-sign him or not. But we want CC back. We think CC wants to be back. We think the Yankees want CC back. If they don't have CC back, do you think they'll go look for another fill gap uh, free agent guy or somebody from the minors? 
I think they'll definitely look at the free agent market and see what they have. I don't think they can go in just saying that there's a guy that's going to be pitching from the minor leagues in the pros because there's not that guy right now. He doesn't exist. There's there's so many reports. If you look around uh, about Chance Adams, I mean that's the guy that everybody keeps talking about in the fan in fan Yankee Twitter land. But when you look at the actual reports and like what a lot of scouts think about him too, a lot of people don't think he's a starting pitcher. A lot of people think that he is going to be a reliever at some point, and that he does not have the um, the long term uh, set as a, as a starting pitcher. So I'm not I'm not even sold that he's going to be one of the next starting pitchers coming up to the uh, to the Yankees. But you look past that, it's Justice Sheffield, I guess, who's the next. Um, guy, but he was in Double A last yeah, he year. He spent most of the season. Did he even? I can't remember. Did he go to Scranton last year? No, I think you know he was in he was in Double A. He stayed in Trenton. Uh, he's in Arizona right now playing, and he did. Um, he was picked to I think the All Star team. Um, it was him, and then Abreu was also picked. Uh, Abreu and Justice Sheffield reports out of Arizona are saying like two of the best pitchers out there. So that's encouraging news. But still, you're you're not you can't you can definitely not walk into the season saying okay these are one of these guys is going to be that fifth starter. That's 100 not a guaranteed. Um, so you're looking at some of these guys. Well, I do think there's there's some other guys down there that are they're slowly coming up. Dylan Tate's another guy that we got for. Um, I think they got him in the Beltran deal. Is that right? The, yes. The, he, yes. He was a, a a top prospect that kind of fizzled out. That that kid is on a resurgence and and has been pitching really well. Last year had a, had a pretty much comeback year. Um, so that's another kid you're looking at that that's potentially you know a year away, a year plus away. Um, and he could get fast-tracked with with his pedigree. So I, I think the Yankees will go out there if, if CC does not sign, and they will look at, to sign someone else. Yeah, Montgomery. So Montgomery was a surprise last um, last spring training. No one expected Montgomery to come out and actually make the team out of spring training, which is essentially what he did. He had six starts in AAA the previous season, though. So if anyone's thinking that Justice Sheffield is suddenly going to make the jump from AA to the majors, it's, it's pretty unlikely. Yeah, I mean that guy would be Chance Adams, but I'm just not I'm just not convinced that they see him as a, a starting pitching long t- pitcher long term. You know, they they'll probably start him out as a starting pitcher and continue to ride him to see if they can uh, he could develop that extra pitch and cut down the walks because I'm pretty sure those were the two big things for him. Um, and the Yankees rotation right now looks, or I'm sorry, their bullpen looks pretty damn good, so they can afford to keep him in the uh, you know stretched out as a starting pitcher to see what they have. So, you know, hopefully he can come back out and, and, you know, take that next level, take that next step. And he is that guy. That would be terrific because he's on the cusp. He's ready to go uh, as far as the system goes. You know what I mean? Like plugging through the the, the pecking order of double uh, A AA and triple A. I'm telling you, I said it last week, but keep an eye on what the Yankees are going to do with Chad Green because I really think that they could look at him to be a starter. Because the bullpen has, you have a luxury in that bullpen where you have Chapman, probably Batances back, uh, David Robertson and Tommy Canley and and Adam Warren. That's five. That's five dominant relievers. Chad Green would be the sixth, but is he more valuable to you as a starter at that point? Yeah, that's. I think they're going to look at it. I think they would be uh, foolish not to look at it. I, you know, I don't know. Maybe he turned a corner as a reliever this year, or maybe he turned a corner as a pitcher this year. Right. That's that. That could only be. Uh, that can only be solved by testing it out. Yeah. Let's let's test it out. There's a lot of other free agent guys, though, like the list of uh, Jeremy Hellickson, Garza, Ricky Nolasco. Uh, I always screw this name up. Hishashi Iwakuma from uh, Seattle. Chris Tillman. These guys would get Chris like Chris Tillman one, is straight trash. There, a lot of these guys him. are trash, but these are the guys that will get one-year $10 million deals from a number of different teams just to come in and hopefully be a mediocre fifth starter. Yeah. Jaime Garcia. I, Listen, if if you're signing him for a couple million bucks for insurance, okay. 
Yeah, don't put it. I mean, it's not it's not completely uh, far fetched. I mean, there's a guy who now knows this. He's he's familiar with the New York Yankees. Probably is not going to be very expensive. Probably pretty cheap. Left handed, uh, left handed uh, starting pitcher. There aren't a million of those guys. He, if he were to sign the right deal, I uh, wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't be surprised if they were to to, to sign a guy like that. And if CC Sabathia is not the uh, is not signed. And let's face it, even if the Yankees go in with the five we think they're going to go in with, the likelihood of all five of those guys making it through an entire season healthy is pretty much 0%. 0%. So you're going to need a a sixth and seventh starter at some point this season. Right. And, I mean, they will dip into the minor leagues at that point. I mean, you got to believe that. um, I I assume, just just because of the way, you know, progression happens, that Justice Sheffield will probably start in AAA. If he shows yeah. himself really well in AAA in the first half of the year, or however many starts they want him to to be down there to show that he can actually, you know, make that leap, you know, he's a guy that we that the Yankees could be looking at, you know, around the trade deadline. Like that's a guy that could add a lot of value to a team being seasoned in AAA, not by trade but by by call up. Um, and there's a few of those guys. Like this Abreu kid is is pitching extremely well. So there's there's guys down there that that could take that next. Step. They're definitely not thin at starting pitching. They've they've acquired a lot of really good young arms. And who knows what Cashman's going to do on the trade uh, market? He could pull exactly. somebody out of his ass that that we all think stinks, and he could turn into the next number four starter for this team. And he yeah. could have he could trade away somebody that no one cares about. Well, and the other thing is he could trade away guys that are are in the minor leagues who are still highly touted. That you know maybe they're blocked. Maybe there's a there's a, a not a clear role for them in New York in the next two years. Like those are guys that we, he's proved that he'll do that um, by, by trading away, uh, you know, center fielder. Uh, That's the beauty of having a deep Blake Rutherford system is yeah. that not only do you have a lot of depth, but you have guys to trade away and add to your current team. That's how they got Sonny Gray. They traded away three uh, highly ranked prospects, but it didn't destroy their minor league system. The Yankees at no point in the last 20 years could have done that. It makes Brian Cashman very lethal, very lethal. Yeah, because <laughs> he could do a lot of things. He's got a lot of options. Um, it's probably it's got to be so much fun being Brian Cashman right now. Well, like, he's still got, he's still got a big a big announcement coming, which I expect to be. I expect a new manager to be announced before the end of this current week. Look, over the past, who's had a better year than Brian Cashman over the past year as a general manager? Though I mean, like pretty damn good year. The guys Billy, had Billy Bean. Oh, Billy no, Bean. Never mind. Billy Bean is is gone in the depths of hell that he will never see the light of 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 uh, I almost said Canton of uh Cooperstown. Cooperstown. Never. <laughs> never. That's your I boy. That's your Hall of Famer. That's your boy. I, I can't on. get into this conversation again. Come on. Look, the Yankees have a, they're in a good spot. Yeah, Brian Cashman has been been kicking ass. I mean, I would I would love to be Brian Cashman. Kicking right ass now. and taking names. Taking 20 to 25 names for contenders for the Yankees manager uh, spot, reportedly. Yeah, the reports that are coming out about the Yankees manager, one, I understand guys are looking for things. So 20 to 25 candidates is utterly ridiculous. Yeah, I'm on that list. That's how many there are. There is no possible way that Brian Cashman is legitimately looking at that many people. It's impossible. He One, we've, we've said this the entire time. Cashman does have a plan for what he's going to be doing. Like, maybe it's not definitive, but when you when you go and you release a guy like Joe Girardi, he's not doing it blindly. He knows damn well that he has a, you know a short short list. It's not a list of twenty to twenty five maybes like that. That ain't happening. That's not even that's not even remotely 
if they were to interview more than five guys, I would be, I would be, uh, I would be shocked. Yeah, this is just guys who have been mentioned, and Cashman isn't saying no. That doesn't mean he's seriously considering them. He's right. he's he's just throwing it. He's throwing shit against the wall just to confuse people. Yeah, and I think reporters are just plugging out. You know, looking at as many names that have been I, uh, that called up. When like, I did okay, see that, I saw that tweet. The Yankees, I think, I think it was Rosenthal or maybe Buster only tweeted that reportedly 20 to 25 names. I laughed. I laughed out yeah, loud. Me too. I'm like, come on. That's, that, <laughs> how is this That's a, a full report? roster of players? That's an insane amount of people. And you know what? Like, if, if he legitimately does have 20 to 25 people that they're considering, like, then I'm looking at Cashman. Like, what are you doing? Right. Why'd then, you fire Girardi? Then he didn't you, have a plan. If yeah, if you if, have 25 guys that are potentially the next New York Yankees manager, then 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 you obviously didn't have a plan for what was happening next. If you have 25 candidates for manager, you don't have one. Right. Yeah. It's too many. It's just, it doesn't make sense. It makes no sense. One of those guys, though, that I was looking up, I was doing some research on some of these guys because it's driving me nuts who the next Yankees manager is going to be. Um and, and kind of going along trends. I like looking at trends. That's why I was when uh, when I was looking at um, you know guys within the system and and how Buck Showalter was was brought up and and you look at how Tory was brought up. Like it doesn't need to be a guy that has a great track record in the major leagues. Um, there can be some some simple connections that I think could be there. And I didn't know this about Brad Osmus, who also is out there looking for a job. Um, recently relieved of his duties of the Detroit Tigers. But he does have some pretty deep ties to the New York Yankees. He was actually drafted by the Yankees uh, in 87. And then this is, I didn't even know this was possible. But he was, he didn't want to go to the pros at that point or minor leagues. He wanted to go to Dartmouth College. So he actually went to school, didn't play on the team, and played in the minor leagues for the Yankees in their off terms because they have like a, a weird quarter academic system with the Ivy Leagues that I know nothing about. And uh, he was able to play baseball while he was in school. And played for five years in the Yankee system. I didn't that's, even know that. Yeah, that's crazy. That's like what what uh, happens in hockey. Yeah, it's it yeah, exactly. It's it's a strange. So he didn't play. He was uh, I think he was like a bench coach or he he had some a volunteer coach and a bullpen catcher for the team. Uh, but because of the NCAA rules, he couldn't get paid um, and play college. So he didn't play for the college team. But went and got his degree. So this is a guy that is like. You're looking at who was named. I, I was looking up his uh, Wikipedia page. This is where all this information came from, by the way. I didn't dig, dive that far deep, but uh, he's uh, he was the ninth smartest guy in baseball. Smart, no, ninth smartest athlete in sports. I'm this sorry. Is, this is horseshit. I'm selling him short. Ninth smartest athlete in sports. For the top in eight was, was Mike Messina still listed? Because that was the whole thing that he he got his engineering degree from Stanford in three years. Remember that whole story? Yeah, I don't know if he was in there. This was 2010, so he may have been out of the consideration. Uh, wasn't point. in there anymore. So, uh, but Brad Ospis going all the way through, playing in Onienta, playing in the Gulf Coast, playing uh, for the Columbus Clippers before they went to Scranton. So he's familiar with the system. Then he got picked uh, in the expansion draft by the Colorado Rockies. So Brad Ospis, <clears throat> look at look at him, and, and he's he fits the mold of the, those guys, right? Yeah, catcher, right? That's interesting. Catcher that he's and a young, catcher. that young, um, younger guy. For whatever reason, it seems like Cashman is uh, Cashman just likes the idea of I think having a, the catcher mindset being the, the leader of the team. Obviously, Joe Torre. I know Joe Torre wasn't Cashman's hire, but Cashman re-signed Joe Torre. Uh, I think twice, and then he signed Girardi. Yeah, I think a catcher. I mean, a catcher is if you look at just where he is and standing in the field, he sees everything. Other guys have backs to 
uh, to the play when you talk about the infielders and they run the game. I mean, they're controlling so many different aspects of the game. They're usually controlling where the defense is. They're controlling so many different things. Um, you know, when you get up to the pros, there's less of that because there's a lot more coaches, but all the way through you're you know, the catcher is the guy who's basically the quarterback of your team and, and is calling out everything. So you got to be a pretty cerebral player to be a catcher. Um, and then he's always been a, a, you know, a superior defensive catcher too, which, you know, what do we need help with? Defensive catching, you know, blocking, things like that. I mean, this Girardi they're, they're, couldn't help with that, even though he was a defensive catcher. You're right. But maybe because of those personal skills, he just couldn't get to Gary Sanchez. Right. He couldn't speak Spanish. That's why he couldn't connect with Gary well, Sanchez. Well, Brad Osmus, I don't know. I mean, he's a smart He went to Dartmouth, guy. ninth smartest player in, in major league or in professional so, sports. So he's got to be able to at least have some conversational Spanish. Yeah, Donde right, esta yeah. la baña or el baño, right. whatever. Um, another bit of news is Joe Espada is now the Astros bench coach. So cross him off the 25 candidate list. Please bring back Willie Randolph as a third base coach. If he's not going to be, just give me the third base coach. I want, he I want windmill want Willie out there. Oh man. He's so good. Um, but like I said, I expect an announcement within the next week. Uh, just, just I think you have to announce it soon, right? So you can start getting plans in place because there's going to be coaches hired, a bunch of different stuff. This is not something you want to wait on. No. I mean, if you look around, everybody else is pretty much is the Nationals signed to get Dave Martinez, right? And then uh, the Red Sox are filled. Um, are there any more vacancies right now besides the Yankees? It's pretty much everybody's getting filled. So it's, it's going to happen soon. It should happen soon because they have a lot of things to do. All right, let's get into some mailbags. The, the first one was a Twitter question from Karen Gupta at Karen G0915 on Twitter. And she says, how about Carlos Santana as a DH first base option? He has great numbers and could be signed for five years, $60 million-ish. And I looked up um, just MLB trade rumors, spot track, these different websites that sort of estimate what these guys will be signed for. And they actually put Santana's market value at 17 and a half million annually, which is pretty damn high. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not looking at a guy like that. That's a five-year deal. If, if that were something that he would be looking for, I don't think he's going to get five years, but um, I think again, you're looking at a guy like that's going to get three, four years, but that's too much money for me for, for a spot that, um, I don't know. He's that doesn't excite me. That doesn't move the needle for me for for a guy. That's a 2012 Yankees move. That's not a 2017 2018 Yankees move. Yeah, totally agree. And I think there's going to have to be some flexibility. I, I do believe they are going to use some flexibility with that DH spot um, because they have a lot of bats that can go in and, and hit. And I think Headley is a perfect example. I think Headley is going to be at some point really slotted into that DH spot. No. If we see, well, if we see the it's not a good hitter could, though. How can you say that? How can you say? How can you have such a level of disgust for your boy now after what he did for this team? Chase Headley that, is essentially need, a singles. You hitter. need to get that out of your system. He is a freaking. A, he is a two seventy singles hitter. That's fine, but they're not looking for. They don't need a whole bunch of power out of their DH spot. They need flexibility. They also need a guy that can then slot in there because, because if you get the um, if you get the the Torres moving up, like we're expecting him to move up pretty quickly through AAA and and onto this team. There's got to be spots, you know, like a guy like a guy like uh, having Chase Headley that has flexibility can go in the field. It's going to be someone like that, um, but they're not going to be a five year, sixty million dollar guy. Hell no, uh, because I think if they do sign somebody for DH, like they signed Matt Holiday last year for one year, thirteen million, it'll be somebody like that. I agree. Yeah, or you know, it maybe um, 
Maybe we see Todd Frazier come back on a friendly deal. Who knows? If that's the case, I think they'll look at it. They're going to look to see if they can re-sign him. But they got to have this. This guy's going to have some flexibility, I think, in the field as well. I don't think he can only just be a DH, a guy who can't play the field. Right. And look, that actually hurt them with Matt Holiday down the stretch. Oh, no doubt about it. Yeah, it can't be that guy. Yeah, there's there's got to be some flexibility. I like Pl- having the flexibility because I think you're going to see Gary Sanchez get a lot of days at DH, and I think that Aaron Judge could also benefit from from some days at DH. As good of a right fielder as he is, just keep him fresh. Yeah, that big body man, it's going to break down. The one the one thing that scares me about Aaron Judge is, is when he breaks down, how fast it's going to be. Oh yeah, um, because <laughs> he's going to have just, a he's he might be a short career kind of guy. Just oh yeah. Just because he's, we've never really seen anyone like him, his body type before. Yeah, it's it's crazy because once he starts getting a little bit, you know, a little bit more of a, a crick in the step and just a little bit slower, like, you know, can you imagine what the strikeouts would be at that point? I mean, they're, they're, once he starts getting out of his physical prime, it's going to be uh, it's going to be tough for him to um, to, to be effective offensively. Um, and, I mean, he's going to hit home runs, but he's going to strike out a ton Here's, more too as he gets older. I for, I was reading this. Um, during the playoffs, I forget where I was reading it, but they equated it to like an NBA, like LeBron getting calls as he got more um, advanced in his career, as he became a veteran, that he started getting the benefit of the doubt from refs and that Aaron Judge, as he progresses more, that he will start to get uh, strike calls more in line with what his actual strike zone should be because umpires no longer will view him as a rookie and they'll start viewing him as a, a veteran MVP candidate. I mean, I agree with that. I think that that happens in every sport. I think you get the all-star treatment everywhere. Uh, so, yeah, I do think that's going to happen. Plus, plus, you know, the umpires are going to be more used to seeing Aaron Judge come up and, and more more used to knowing what his strike zone is as well. I mean, you got to think about these these umpires too. Like, they're, they're, they're calling a strike zone every single time pretty close to where, where they normally... Um, we'll call it depending on the guy, right? I mean, there's really not too much of a variance because there's not guys that are that much bigger, but he's that much bigger. So there's an adjustment for these guys too. And I think having a year in and, and seeing him a ton more, you know, they can go back and look and say, okay, I called this one way too low on him. And there'll be some adjustments by the uh, the umpires and the umpire crews as this as he progresses too and when they see him more. So I think all of that is, is, is going to be considered that the, the strike zone will be better um, for him, no doubt. What do you think of our boy Judge's Superman Halloween costume and the the nice little fine young thing on his arm? Yeah, he's been dating that girl for a little while now, hasn't he? It's the same girl, I think that uh, he was that, spotted at the U.S. Open with her a few weeks yep, back. Yep, and she's been spotted at games. So you know, I don't know if he's getting a little too close, a little too soon. Uh, I don't know when that started. Did it start in the time when it he slumped? started during the slump? But Did it? he had a good he had a good postseason right. as well. So maybe he just had to get comfortable. Maybe he's a shy guy, had to get comfortable in the relationship. And at that point, when that happened, things started taking off because things started really getting good at the re- with the relationship. So maybe she's a good thing. She's the good luck charm. Know. Yeah. yeah uh, I, think ne- he's, I think he's having a good time is what I think he's having. <clears throat> As well he should be. That's why I don't understand why uh, Carlos Correa goes and, and proposes when he's 24 years old and just won the World Series. Man. Uh, something probably something I would not have done. <laughs> yeah, he's got a for long, a number uh, of different reasons road. I wouldn't have done it. He, he, hey, that might be his the that may be the woman of for Carlos Correa, and that is awesome. Congratulations, Correa! But maybe wait until the week after, just so you can enjoy the World Series champ. What happened? What would happen if they lost? Would he not have proposed? 
No, is he waiting think- for a World Series championship to propose? Like, it's just, I never understand that. Guy wins the national championship. You see it all the time in college. In college, guys are proposing when they win a national championship. Like, freaking wait, dude. Yeah, I mean, the, it's the, the youth of it is what I don't get. But the um, having the ring ready, I, I, I kind of understand that. Because it, when you know there's a window, you're going to do it. And you're just like waiting for that perfect opportunity. You kind of have things close, ready to go. So if that opportunity does arise, you're going to do it. Otherwise, it would have been a different plan, obviously. Yeah, the perfect um, opportunity. Microphone and Ken Rosenthal. It was pretty good, place. man. Like, I'm a fan of, I, honestly, I'm a fan of Carlos Correa. Whenever I heard the story last year during the playoffs that he was in Puerto Rico as a young boy and learned, wanted to learn to speak English because he wanted to talk to the reporters in Major League Baseball when he was like 10 years old or 8 years old. I thought that was freaking awesome. I love that story about him like wanting to learn English for that reason. Like This is a kid that's wanted to be a professional athlete, professional baseball player his entire life, to go over to Major League Baseball and play, and he did it. And he's a stud. So I got, I got nothing but, but respect for that guy. So, you know, maybe he's a little bit different in that sense and, and he just wants the, the stability of uh, having a beautiful and, and nice wife. And that's fine. Yeah, maybe judges the same way. To each their own. Exactly. Maybe if the Yankees win the 2018 World Series, judge will do the same thing. Maybe. <laughs> Although <laughs> I hope he does uh, something different for, because he's more original than that. Final question is from John. Do you guys think that the Yankees will go out and try and sign Shohei Otani? And the short answer to a very long discussion, because you and I talked about this for probably 15 to 20 minutes before we even recorded. Just yeah, to, maybe we just wait. released that audio. Yeah, seriously. Just so we could completely understand it. There's a lot of moving parts to this Otani situation. Um, so short answer, I do believe that the Yankees will go after him. When they go after him, I don't know. Um, that being said, we're definitely going to, Andrew and I are going to be going and looking to, uh, to bring somebody on in the very near future to talk more about the situation that's a little closer to it so that they can uh, talk more in depth because there really are a lot of moving parts currently with what's happening with, um, you know, the, the, the agreement with the uh, major leagues and the Japanese league right. uh, and the so, way the posting systems work. There's a ton of things happening right now that are because, in, in flux. Because as we as we were doing research for that and what can actually be offered, it, it seems like there's a lot of wishy-washy information. Some websites are reporting one thing, others are reporting the other. So we're getting a, a, a little bit different on the numbers. So let's just focus on the baseball aspect of Otani and if the Yankees would be interested in him to bring on to the roster for baseball reasons. Yeah, and I think absolutely because, well, I think the numbers have to be considered, not specifically, but... If they were to go after him this year, let's say he is posted this year, just and 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 the money is really not much of a concern because it's capped, whatever that cap is. If that's the case, then yeah, you absolutely have to do it because it's a bargain. And when you have a bargain and a guy that's a potential, you know, all star, a, a very good uh, baseball player, then yeah, you got to go after a guy like that. To me, it's a it's a no brainer. You make room for a person like this, whether you bring him on as a pitcher, or as a batter, or you know, both. maybe he is. Or both, you know, who knows what, what they'll do. Maybe they start in the minor leagues. Both. I mean, you got it. That's the whole point of him, right? Is that he can do both? I guess. I, but I, I mean, I think there are some pitchers that could probably swing the bat pretty well if they wanted to. I don't Do you think any pitcher could go over and hit 20-something bombs in the Japanese league? I don't think so. You don't think that uh, CC in his prime could go over there and hit 20? Maybe. I don't think to a three. What did he hit? Uh, 2016, he hit 322. With a 588 slugging percentage. As yeah, good no, the, as CC is as a hitter, I don't think he's going to post those kind of numbers. No, I think that uh, I think that when you start seeing the consistency of his numbers as far as the average and things like that and making contact, that's where he's different. And, uh, you know, guys can run into pitches, but he's he's definitely a, a hybrid. He's a, 
He's a very interesting player. But if we're talking about signing him, you know, outside the international pool money, and we're talking about he's a free agent, you know, wide open to anybody, and it's going to take a ton of money to sign him, that's when I think the Yankees will will look at it a little bit more closely, and you know, you could see money being spent in other places for more of a uh, of a um, known commodity. And that's why I think Otani is going to wait on the free agency so he can get the maximum money he could he could sign for, which would be after he's 25 years old and he can sign a free agency deal like Tanaka got, 150-something million, 23 million a year. Now he'd be limited to the international signing pool money, which for him, why, why not just wait a year and then make massive money? Well, because I, again, we're, we're going to start getting into this, but... I do, I do believe there are a lot of considerations that have the the the, the clubber uh, where the club is involved. I'm not really sure that it's 100 percent like okay, it's your decision. You can do whatever you want. I think the club has a lot of influence on what happens as well. And I think if there's more money involved this year for that club, that some you know this he might be ready to come to the major leagues. He wants to. He's already said that he wants to come over. And if it's more monetarily beneficial for the club for him to come over this year and get a guaranteed 20 than to wait and, and potentially have a percentage of what his contract is, then I could see him doing it. Um, I, I just think there's a lot more considerations. And I think that there is, I think these guys have a, a, are a little bit more controlled by what the team wants them to do as well. Yeah. And he still hasn't selected an agent or anything like that. So there's going to be a lot of information to come on Otani. But, yeah. but he's it. interviewing agents. He's been interviewing agents since September. There have been reports of Boris and other big name guys God. since September. Scott so. Boris uh, will then encourage him to wait. Maybe. Or maybe he just wants to get him over here. <laughs> Um, it is, uh, so looking at his numbers though, it seems like he is as good of a hitter as he is. He's actually a better pitcher, five seasons, uh, pitching. He's 42 and 15, 543 innings, only 384 hits allowed, which is very good. 624 strikeouts. So that's a 1.076 whip to a 252 ERA. And I was just curious as to how those numbers compared to Tanaka's Japanese stats. Tanaka had about double the sample size. But Tanaka in 1,300 innings pitched had a 1.108 whip and a 2.3 ERA. So slightly better, slightly worse in different categories, but very similar as far as uh, pitching numbers overall. But you want to know the big number that you're looking at, to me, that's most exciting of a guy coming over, is that he's got half the innings, over half the innings. Right, not that's, as much wear and tear on him. Yeah, I mean, Tanaka, that was one of the biggest concerns for Tanaka is that, that he was coming over and had thrown a ton of innings already. I mean, there were reports, what were the, um, I forget some of those reports early on of like the fables of Tanaka where he threw like some ridiculous amount of pitches uh, or pro- pitched like back-to-back um, uh, complete games. There were some there were some stories out there of Tanaka pitching some ridiculous amount of time. But um, Well, he went short rest young, in the World Baseball Classic too. Yeah, yeah. The fact that he's, well, the fact that he's, that, that he's 23 right now, going on, uh, you know, potentially 25 when he comes over, whenever he does come over. Uh, it's exciting because he's very young. And I think if the Yankees, um, the one consideration also, if you're looking at, I don't know if this is a consideration, I have no idea, but the fact that Tanaka's here, like, does that, does that help? Does that help uh, negotiations? Does that help uh, as a recruiter? I mean, Tanaka was the biggest name in Japan. Now Otani's probably the biggest name in Japan. Yep. You have the two biggest names in Japan coming over and on the same team, and, the, and that team is the New York Yankees. There's a lot of cool things that could probably be done with that. Or Otani saying, I want to go to my own team and I want to be the center of attention. I don't want to have to share the spotlight with Tanaka. Well, maybe, but in three years when Tanaka is done with his contract and Otani's just getting going, you know, that's his team then. There's, sure. there's a lot of things. The New York market, when you're looking at an international player, I think is, uh, is also a big consideration. 
Um, yeah, but like you said, we're going to look for somebody. We don't know who it's going to be, but someone to, to just get a ton of more, ton more details on the actual contract um, stipulations and what can be done, what the Yankees and what different major league teams can do. Um, hopefully we'll have that guy on next week or maybe in the coming weeks as more stuff comes out on Otani. Yeah, I'm excited to get more into it because it's there's definitely some unclear stuff, I think. Yeah, it's going to be a and, fun storyline to follow all offseason. Well, and plus, I think there's there's still moving parts happening right now with the the players associations and, and you know, with the uh, with the leagues, because there's I, I know the deal was ending in Japan and the the team is trying to get, uh, you know, him grandfathered into an old deal. Like there's a lot of things happening right now that I for I, the 20 million fluid. posting fee, which would not be in effect anymore. Right. So there's a lot of fluid things that are happening. Yeah. And obviously, if you're the Ham Fighters, which I just love the, the different names of the Japanese teams, he plays for the Ham Fighters. Those hammies are going to want as much money as they can possibly get. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, they love those posting fees. Posting fees used to be way more, but they love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it used to be. Um, it used to Stupid. just be. It, it, they used to be blind bids. Yeah. So that's yeah. why. Um, how I much think was the Red Sox, how much the Red Sox was, yeah, paid? Like fifty million for Dice K. For Dice K. Just yeah. just posting fee. Just to just to negotiate with him, wasn't yeah. it? And the Yankees paid like something like twenty million for freaking Kagawa. God. I could have made contact off Kayagawa. I think I could have at least had a single off Kayagawa. Hard hit single to the right side. Oh. Kayagawa might actually uh, play better in today's baseball than he did then. Hey, did you hear with, he's, with all one of the 25, he's one of the 25 candidates for manager? Good candidate. Strong candidate. Knows, <laughs> how, to, knows how to speak Japanese. Uh, thank you guys for submitting mailbag questions. To do so, go to bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. You can also tweet us at Yankees Podcast. My Twitter handle is at Andrew underscore Rotondi, and Scott's is at Scott Reinen. Also, rate and review the podcast. We're up to 650 ratings the last time I looked, which is amazing. Thank you, guys. You guys have come through. We asked for it during the playoffs, and we're going to continue asking for it all offseason. It helps us out. The more ratings and reviews, the more five-star reviews that we get, the more the show shows up in iTunes, the more listeners we get, the more it will allow Scott and I to just put on more and better shows. So, so we really appreciate it. That is the number one thing you guys can do um, as a thank you to us uh, is just go out and, and rate the podcast. Scott, any last words? Uh, if you didn't hear last week, we are in the beginning stages of planning uh, basically, a Bronx Pinstripes event season ticket plan that's gonna that's gonna have um, you know probably about six different games on there, about one a month. That's gonna involve uh, a pregame party, a, a T-shirt, uh, a whole bunch of other little things. I'm gonna add into it, but it's gonna be a lot of fun. So if you are thinking about getting season tickets next year, or if you're looking at getting you know just uh, single game tickets for x amount of uh, x amount of games throughout the season. Uh, please consider that. Make sure you, you, you keep an eye out for us. We'll have everything out probably by you know the beginning of the year of when those will be and what games they will be. Uh, most likely, mostly Saturday games. Uh, we might sprinkle a Friday or two in there depending on the opponent. So definitely keep an eye out for that. But I'm excited for that. And that community is, is just growing. The, the Bronx Pinstripes crew in sections 205 and 206. We're just at the beginning stages of this. And it's going to be uh, just so much fun going into 2018 with a team that we are... World Series expectations. Perfect year to get on board. Good stuff. We'll talk to you guys next week, hopefully, with news on a new Yankees game. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, 
we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.